Welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast, a production of United Way Suncoast. Here's your host, Bronwyn Baytal. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to welcome you to another episode of the Freedom to Rise podcast. As you know, on this podcast, we discuss the impact of United Way Suncoast. And for the first series of episodes, we're highlighting the importance of early learning, grade level reading achievement, and our leaders in Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties who are making a difference. And we end each episode with Bronwyn's big takeaway, my thoughts on the topic of the day. And today we welcome someone who is a true wonder woman in Bradenton. She served in law enforcement for 34 years and currently oversees an agency of 180 personnel that serves more than 63,000 community members. She holds three collegiate degrees, including a doctoral degree from Argosy University, and she works as an adjunct professor at State College of Florida. She's also a graduate of the FBI's National Academy and Leadership Florida's Cornerstone class. And in 2018, she received the Wonder Woman Award from the Women's Resource Center, which just happens to be a United Way Suncoast strategic community partner. She's here today to talk about the relationship between law enforcement and education, the role her department plays in that issue, and her personal commitment to education as a Take Stock in Children mentor. Have you guessed yet? Without further ado, let's welcome Bradenton Police Chief Melanie Bevan. Chief, we're happy to have you. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yay, great. We're going to make this a conversation. And the first question I like to ask everybody is, we've been through quite a year. Um, There's been a lot going on with the pandemic and just some other social issues. And I just want to, how are you doing? How is your team doing? You know, you're, you're right. It's been quite a year. And I always like to think through adversity comes greatness. And I think Mm -hmm. that my team, the Bradenton community, our city, I I feel like we have come out of this at the other end stronger than we have ever been. We have learned to think outside the box. We have learned to police with a lot of, I'd say police outside the box as well, because we've encountered and embraced so much adversity within the past year, whether it be from COVID and, and the George Floyd murder everything. And I will tell you that the Bradenton Police Department is a better agency for it because we have learned to overcome. We have learned to surround ourselves with a great, strong community, and and we're all better for it, maybe, in the end. Thank you. That's really good to hear. We can certainly see it in the difference that you've made since coming into the Bradenton area. And I'm glad we got a chance to list your educational achievements. Because at United Way Suncoast, we constantly strive to promote early learning, grade level reading, and youth success. Can you tell us about the role education has played in your own life? I preach to my my folks quite a bit. I, I always go into the meetings where we host the new officers coming into my agency, and I talk to them about the value of higher education. And they inevitably say to me, well, Chief, why do you think it's so important to have advanced degrees in policing. And I remind them that I don't necessarily think a bachelor's or a master's or a doctorate degree will make them a better police officer, but what it will teach them is critical thinking. And what it will give them the opportunity to do is surround themselves with people who are not necessarily like-minded. The more people who you can touch and have influence and 
your mindset, the better off we all are. And I will tell you, it took me 20 years to amass all my degrees. And, and throughout those 20 years, I met so many people and I learned from so many, so many different perspectives, often ones that I didn't agree with, some I did. But at the end of the day, I realized that their perspectives weren't wrong. They were just perspectives and they were different. And we all bring those to everything we do. And it, it really teaches us all value. And I feel that education in our workforce is, is critical. I require it for promotion, for upward mobility at my agency. And I have people that have definitely come to understand that every single one of the promotions that I make are all young adults that are going back to school and getting an education. I think that really makes us a stronger agency. Nice. Is that unusual to have that requirement or is, is there a trend in that direction? There, there's been a trend for quite some time. There, there wasn't in Brainton when I arrived and okay. that was one of my first undertakings. I really felt it was that important and my mayor agreed with me and I gave them plenty of time to re-enroll and get back in class. And I don't have a shortage of folks now that have immersed themselves in the studies and I will tell you, though, some of the younger folks that I'm hiring, I'm finding a more educated workforce is already coming on board. So maybe it was a little bit of a generational gap going on there, but not a problem now. I'm getting plenty of of kids now who have at least had their foray in college. They may not have finished it completely. I didn't at first. I had to go back a a second time. And so I I think that's good. But like I said, I, I think it teaches critical thinking and it gives us perspectives and and access to people that are outside of our, you know, profession. And that's important. I absolutely, I love that. I agree. I I think putting yourself in different circumstances makes a huge difference in how you can relate to folks who feel like other when we're all the same, you know, in that sense is that we're all human beings. We're all on this earth together. And I like the phrase, we're all walking one another home. So the more we can learn about one another and and be educated is is a wonderful thing. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what role do you think that our kindergarten to 12th grade education can play in reducing crime and making our communities safer? So I tell all my officers and, and they know, and really the community knows, you spoke earlier before we came on the air. Mm-hmm. about a speech you'd heard me and and I'm sure that I reiterated to you my need to connect with the youth in our community the children in our communities because these kids are going to be leaders for you and I tomorrow they are going to be the ones sitting at the table making decisions that that impact us and so the more influence that we can have on them now when they're listening, right? Because we all know those of of us who have kids know that they go through this period of time. I think it's about, for me, it was about 15 till now, right? My kids, are they they don't really listen all that much, but when they're listening, this is our opportunity to really get in there and, and make an impression on them and open their eyes up to to things that they may not have considered. And, and I think that that's just so, so critical. I will tell you, and it wasn't by design that today it was it was my appointment. I've been trying to get in there for a few weeks. My agency poured resources into a program here in Manatee County. I know it's in Manatee, it's in DeSoto. It's it's not in Pinellas or Hillsborough, and I would challenge Pinellas and Hillsborough to consider it. It's a program called Dive into Reading. Yes. Um, 
sponsored by the Horns. I'm sure you know them, John and Amanda. Absolutely. 27 of my, my folks, both officers and civilian personnel, over the past four weeks have participated in this. And, and if you're familiar with it, we I spent two hours this morning. I showed up to one of my, my location, which was O'Bricks, but there's six locations. They started off with two Title I schools with 70 kids. Now the program is 500 kids and every yes. Title I school in the Manatee area. I had an opportunity to spend two hours this morning with Natalie. And uh, only, and Natalie was just a darling. She may be smarter than me, um, <laughs> quite, quite a bright third grader. And we spent about an hour and a half reading books. We talked about life. We had breakfast. And I walked away from there. It wasn't me helping her. It was her helping me. It always reminds me why mm-hmm. I do the job that I do. And I, I would have to guess that for the 27 folks who from my agency that went and, and did that over the past few weeks, they felt the same. When when you can connect with a, a young child and you feel like you're really doing something, right? If yep. I mean here we're we're trying to bridge that gap during summer to to make sure that their reading stays on on par. But we just I just had a blast today. I, I had a blast and I really now I'm disappointed that I'm not going to have an opportunity to do it again until next summer. Oh, that's so incredible. How exciting to hear and to hear about Natalie, who knows more than you, um, who, did, who taught you things that you didn't expect to per- perhaps learn. And thanks for bringing up John and Amanda Horn, two incredible human beings in our community that did not have to do this. And they just decided when they heard about the grade level reading crisis in our community, they decided that they were two people who could do something about it. And like you said, it's grown. And as well. And that's a wonderful thing. So thank you for bringing that up. It's part of the Suncoast campaign for grade level reading efforts in our community, making sure that our children can read on grade level by the time they leave third grade, that critical time from learning to read to reading to learn. That it is. And I'll tell you, you know, I I was born and bred in in Pinellas County, and I was a little disappointed to hear that Pinellas isn't taking on that challenge. So if anybody from Pinellas is listening, Let's go. You need to rise to the occasion. This is a great program. And, and I really hope I, I also lived in Hillsborough for many, many years. I, I hope those two counties, I'm going to throw out that challenge to, to anybody out there, perhaps a sheriff or a police chief's listening. You know, what a great program. And the more kids who we can, you know, touch their lives and let them touch ours, the better off we'll be. Absolutely. No, we're we're excited about the state of Florida. It's it's coming together around this initiative. There is a Florida campaign for grade level reading now. And within United Way Suncoast, we're the leader in Hillsborough of the campaign for grade level reading. But yes, let's talk about Pinellas and let's see what we can get done. As far as this is wonderful, that's one thing that you're doing. And I, I have on my notes here that you also have something called an Explorers Program. That's working to build character and citizen training and fitness in our local youth. Talk about the Explorers program and how that's changing lives. We do. And I'll tell you that I could give you a a list of initiatives that we embark on that impact. Well, what we think impacts some of the youth in our community, the Explorers program. That's not new to to law enforcement. Nearly every um, decent sized agency has a program similar. Ours has 10 kids right now. And I say kids, they're anywhere from 14 to 19. I think 
when they turn 16, they tell you to stop calling them a kid. But as far as I'm concerned, sometimes <laughs> they're still kids. And like you just said, they do a little bit of everything. We take the opportunity to bring them into our culture and to learn a little bit about who we are, why we are. And in turn, they get to ride with us. We provide them some law enforcement training. I think these are some of the lessons that they bring back to their middle schools and high schools, and they really enjoy it. One of our explorers just left us which is hard to imagine. She started with us when she was 14 and just left us to go join the U.S. Air Force. It's hard to going off and and doing that, but we're always looking for for new recruits. We're always accepting application. And that's not just Bradenton. If you look anywhere, I'm not sure where the listening audience is, but I will tell you any law enforcement agency probably wherever you are, has a program that's similar. And I think it's it's just such a fantastic opportunity for, for kids to connect with the police. A lot of folks are under the misnomer that our ultimate goal is to funnel them into policing. I will tell you that usually maybe 10% do it, and that's okay. What we're just trying to do is open their eyes up to who we are and why we are, and it just builds, again, what I started with, a, a stronger community because we understand where we're each coming from. So it's a great program. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned some other ones. Is there another one that I have not mentioned that you thought, oh, this would be really cool to highlight? We'd love to. Uh, You know, we, we do a few things. And again, it's probably many that a lot of the agencies do. We're involved with the Early Learning Coalition. I have officers and particularly a couple of my officers who have canines not the the pointy ear kinds, but the floppy ear ones <laughs> that, that drew all over you or how nice. uh, I have a bloodhound and they go in and they read to preschoolers. One of the things I'm particularly proud of, and I'm not really sure that it's done a lot of other places or, or any other places, and I'm gonna I'm gonna probably bring you back a lot of years, but you know, when I was a very young girl, you know, like 15 years ago. Okay, I'm kidding. Like a lot, a lot of years ago, right? <laughs> um, I'm going with it. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fine with me. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was in, in middle school, I was a safety patrol officer. And I distinctly remember the pride I had as a safety patrol officer with that orange belt. Remember that orange belt? It had yes. the sash across the chest. But the one thing in particular that I loved and coveted was the safety patrol badge. And so imagine my surprise several years ago when I went out to an event at an elementary school, and it was a graduation of a group of safety patrol. And they they showed up and they had, now they're not the orange sashes anymore, they're yellow, they're that fluorescent yellow, but they were missing something. And it was that badge. And so, you know, what, what used to happen, believe it or not, it was AAA. Oftentimes that that sponsored it. And I think they they still do with some schools, but it wasn't the school I was at. And I went to a couple of those events and I realized it wasn't any of those schools. And so we uh, took it upon ourselves. We found the funding and and I'm not going to give you one, but you're going to want one. (laughs) And uh, we we minted our own safety, Bradenton Police Department Safety Patrol badge. And so let me tell you, these are nice. These are sharp badges. These are metal. They pin on. These are just about as nice as the badge I wear on my chest every year. Because let's talk about these safety patrol. These are kids that are getting good grades. They're staying out of trouble. They're providing 
mentorship to other kids in the school. They're role models in the school. This is exactly the kids in these elementary schools in fourth grade that we want to hold up and we want to put on a pedestal. Every year for the past four years, we go to every elementary school in our city and we award at their induction, so to speak, (laughs) their safety patrol badge. And they're allowed to keep it forever, take it home. And I will tell you the pride that I see on their faces and I shake every hand, I hand them their badge and I tell them, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility, (laughs) right? Never use that power. And I I think for us, it just simply reemphasizes good citizenship and who, who doesn't recognize why that is so important in this day and age. Absolutely. I love how excited you get when you talk about that. And honestly, you read my mind. I do want a badge. I know. So I'm going to have to do one. something to earn it. You know, so <laughs> I will keep that in mind. And there is there is great responsibility. So we'll have to make sure I'm ready for that. But that's that's so cool to see you light up about it. And thank you for sharing. So I'd like to take just a little bit of a turn. We've had great conversation and I want to make sure that we also talk about some some hot topics, not because I want to be salacious, because that's not what this is about. It's about how we deepen our conversations and how we understand our roles and our responsibilities as a community in moving forward on the impacts, things that impact our children. You mentioned it early on in our opening, the wake of of the murder and the wake of the murder of George Floyd, and a lot of the focus that's been placed on the relationship between our law enforcement and our people of color, our communities of color. And what steps are you and your officers taking to elevate your relationship with our communities? And how has that impacted how you move forward? I will tell you that if you waited until after that incident, that horrific incident to try to start building bridges, then you were way behind the curveball, way, way behind. I tell my folks all the time that we have to build up build up our bank with initiatives and actions and who we are that shows our community that we truly care long before a crisis occurs. Because when a crisis occurs, as we all know, it's not the time to start trying to, to make friends and, and build bridges. It's no. the time when you hope that those bridges stay intact and yep. that you can keep those lines of communication. That being said, we still made it a point to, to go very public with what we were doing and why we were doing it. I had taken a look at our use of force policy probably two years prior and had instituted what you you almost now see as the model policy, but that didn't mean I didn't think I should take another look just to make sure that I didn't think that there was an opportunity to, to revise and to get feedback on that from community members. We did a lot to, to very publicly through social media, and this is my plug, I, and I hope I plugged the Explorers program enough too that we are taking applications, so please get on our website, let us know. But our you social did. media, anything you want to know about the Brainton Police Department it is on our social media. We are very, very aggressive with our Twitter account, with our Facebook. Yes, you are. We do Instagram. We really feel in this day and age that this is how you communicate well with people. We, we think we've done a pretty good job. And, and we were one of the first out we felt in letting folks know that we were reviewing our policy, that we were taking inventory of what we might be able to do better. We held 
we didn't hold, but we participated in community events. We we really just tried to immediately engage and and let our community know we were here, we were suffering, we were mm-hmm. opening our ears up, we were willing to hear what we could do to to be stronger. And I'll tell you, I I know you live you know somewhat locally yes. in this area, and I don't think it was by accident that we didn't experience a lot of the the same issues that a lot of a lot of other cities did and I'm going to just tell you I think it's because we had we had done a lot of work in in advance and in building those relationships and I think that those paid off thank and you. I heard that I I heard that from our our partners I think it paid off thank you thank you for that and thank you for the intentional way you went about it before it became something that we were asked to do. It's just part of your nature and how your your force is working together. So thank you so much for that. On the same note, kind of a tragedy, we'll just influencing not only our children's immediate academic opportunities, but also their future, also future policy. After the tragedy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Manatee County ensured that our schools included school resource officers. And the Bradenton Police Department is part of that. So tell me about the role of school resource officers. They have to serve as educator, informal counselor, law enforcement problem solver. There's a lot on their shoulders. And I'm wondering how challenging that role is for your officers and to get officers to fill those roles. Well, I will tell you right now, that was one of the hardest decisions we had to make because we we put memos out all the time for interests in specialty units. When we advertised for SROs, we received a flood of applications. So many of our officers, I was shocked, were interested in becoming an SRO. And and that's telling. That's Mm -hmm. telling. Here are folks wanting to spend day in and day out with our high schoolers, with our middle schoolers, with our elementary Mm -hmm. school kids. We have six elementary schools in the city. What wound up happening is five of those became covered by the sheriff's office through the Guardian program. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. We yes. kind of launched a little bit of a pilot program. I know it's been a couple of years for a pilot program, but wound up hiring two part-time officers mm-hmm. who are brain 10 officers. So they're not guardians, they're actually part-time police officers to serve in our elementary school. And that's been just a great success. In fact, I visited there a few weeks ago. They invited me for a pizza party and who's going to say <laughs> to a pizza party, right? Nobody. Right? With a bunch of second graders. A badge so. and a pizza party. <laughs> of course, I'll always come to a pizza Feed me and I will come, right? They, they do such great things with the kids. We only have one middle school, believe it or not, in the, in the city, in one high school. And those noteworthy... One of the folks, the mentors who I was at today or who I was with today at the Dive Into Reading program is one of my SRO, SROs at the high school. And she took time out today to come and, and mentor today. Aww. And so I will tell you that we got to pick the best of the best to fill these positions. They do great there. I, I get such positive feedback. In fact, I don't know, you're probably not familiar with it, and I'm not completely, but one of the laws that the governor signed in this summer was that, and, and I may have a few facts wrong, but I think it's ninth <laughs> and 11th graders are going to receive some, some CPR training. 
think that's hmm. a great idea. I think a lot of people should get CPR training. We have to go through it every year. And he said that he wants that part of the curriculum. Cynthia Saunders and I, she's our superintendent. She's a great superintendent. Her and I are good friends. We, we try to have lunch at least once every other month. Her and I quickly got on the phone with each other. And I said, Cynthia, don't worry about this. My SROs are going are gonna to do the teaching. They know CPR. They train CPR. We're going to figure out how to get them in the classroom. This is a great opportunity to connect with, with the kids. And, and they're really doing something. It's no lecture. It's let's, let's get down in it and, and yeah. learn something here. And because I said, I think it's going to be a win-win for, for my folks. They can get to know these, you know, these kids a little bit better. And she was all in and yeah, they do a great job at these schools and such enormous, enormous responsibility, but they, they take it in stride and, and they're, they're some of my best. It really is. And I feel for them. I feel for our parents, for our children, just that this is the situation that we're living in at this time. But to make the best out of it and to create an opportunity for community development and relationships that will hopefully last, at least in memory, for a number of years. That good first impression of what it means to have an officer in your space. So thank you for sharing that and for giving that insight. And I'm not surprised that you and the superintendent get together fairly often. She is very outward focused and likes to bring community in and you are the same. So that makes perfect sense that you would meet together fairly often. We do as well. And just a wonderful thing to have a superintendent that feels that comfortable bringing community into schools. So thank you for that. I'm also wondering, you have served as a mentor take stock in children. I'm not sure if you still are, but if you still are, I'd love to hear about your motivation for that and what a little bit about what take stock is for those that of our listeners that may not know and how that works for you. <laughs> well, it, you know, so what's interesting about that is, um, so as you know, I, I hailed from St. Petersburg. I spent 29 years there before I came to Brainton five years ago. And Take Stock in Children actually started in St. Petersburg. It was called Doorways. A lot of people don't know that. I'm pretty sure I have my facts straight on this. Yeah, I did not um, know that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Doorways. And it was a scholarship program started in that area. And I was one of the very first mentors within that program. I used to co-mentor with different folks throughout the years. I've actually been a doorway slash take stock and children mentor for over 20 years. No. During that time, I have graduated five students. Four of them were boys. I took on, I co-mentored in Brainton with Angel Kalanisa. She's our yes. clerk of the court, clerk of the court. It was the first young lady. The Pretty much the cool thing about the young men that I had and, and all those years before, and as you know, it's a program and it starts them out in the freshman year and it gets them all the way to the senior year. And there's certain requirements of the program. It's grades. It's a requirement every week to meet with a mentor to kind of talk about what's going on in life. They can't be in trouble. There, there's all kinds of benchmarks. And if they follow these, by the time they get out of high school and they have to fit within a, an economic, you know, they have that set up they have to be disadvantaged in some regard, then they're going to get a, a college scholarship. I will tell you, although I'm awfully proud of the young lady who just graduated and she's in college right now, I will tell you probably one of my greatest joys is the second student 
Hopefully you don't hear my dogs in the background that uh, graduated. <laughs> That's okay. They're welcome. <laughs> Nicholas, we probably lost touch a couple of years after he graduated. And imagine my surprise. I taught for a few years as an adjunct at USF St. Pete. Imagine my surprise when I showed up to the first day of one of my classes at USF St. Pete to have my young mentor as one of my students. Oh, no way. That's yes, so as, a, as a sophomore so cool. in one of my classes. And so I will tell you that I've kept in touch with a few of them. They've all done incredible. My latest graduate who Angel and I got to work with for four years, because it's not a it's not a short-term deal, right? No, it is not. It's, it's a four-year commitment. And so when I tell people, yeah, it took 20 years, it was five students, they're like, only five? Well, uh, she, yes, she, five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's congratulations. That's amazing. That's not only five. That's right? incredible. But, um, yeah, yeah, she she graduated. She's doing good. In fact, she just contacted me last week. We're going to be hooking up to have a, a conversation soon. She's a sophomore down at USF in Sarasota. She's doing great. That is a, it's an incredible program. It, it gives you an opportunity, again, to meet every week with a student and, and help. When you first meet them their freshman year, you can only imagine the growth you see over four years mm-hmm. until they come out the other end and they're ready to hit the ground running and go off to college somewhere. It's, it's just such a rewarding experience. I will tell you, I, I encourage Brainton officers to do it. We have upwards of, I think, 10 of them involved in the program right now. It's, it's very important for me. And, and I use that as a measurement when it comes time for transfer, for promotion is I appreciate hard work. I appreciate productivity, but I want to know what you all are doing to impact the lives of others and particularly our youth. And so that's a great opportunity to do that. Big brothers, big sisters. We have officers who are involved in that program as well. That's a fantastic program, as as you well know. So anything and everything we can do, we're involved. And I try to lead from the front and do it myself. You can't really ask folks to do it if you're not willing to to put the time and, and energy into doing it as well. That's absolutely right. And, and that's what I think that's the galvanizing force behind people that may be on the edge of how do I do this or how do I get involved? Well, they see you doing it and then they see their fellow officers doing it and they think, oh, it's not so hard. I could do that too. So thank you for that. Well, you have a consistent record of engaging with our community as a leader. Why do you take such an active role in lending your leadership? And you've already talked a little bit about that, but I thought if there's anything else beyond the, you know, the daily responsibilities that you have that you wanted to share with our listeners as an encouragement for other police departments, perhaps other law enforcement officers that may be looking for their path on how they can engage more deeply. Any, any words of wisdom in addition to what you've already shared? If you read the, the news and, and you take part in some of the, the media right now, what you'll see a lot of is police agencies trying to define exactly what their responsibilities are, which are seemingly more traditional, back to kind of, you know, fight crime, put bad guys in jail, do this, and and that it's not social service work. Well, I would challenge you that it is social service work, that if we don't put a lot of effort and energy into really being those role models, being those leaders in our community and serving as as a social 
service offshoot, right, then maybe we're not being all we can be. Law enforcement definitely comes with with everything that you see on TV, right? We, we have to go do all those things. But the things I would argue that really are going to make a difference in this world are those lives we touch. And, and it's those untold stories that happen each and every day. I will, will tell you that I could, every day you could tell, you could call me and I could give you a story of, of something that my officers did the night before that made a difference in somebody's life. Not because it was, you know, going to take a criminal off the street, but because it was really just going to help somebody, because it was going to save a life, because it was going to help a child. And I would argue that that is our job. That is our job in, in so many regards. And the more we can do it, still do that other stuff, right? But the, the more we can do it, the, the stronger and, and better our community is going to be. And so, you know, it, it does it does take a lot of effort and energy when when we're sitting there trying to patrol and work traffic and work crime out there to go and read to kids and mentor kids and engage in all the activities that we do. It's yeah. worth it. It's always going to be worth it. And you will reap so many greater rewards from from putting yourself out there and doing those than you can ever, ever imagine. Wow. I'm supposed to do a Bronwyn's big takeaway after that. That's Chief Bevan's big takeaway. And and that's, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you have given to our community and all that you are investing in others so that that giving can keep going well beyond your tenure here. Not that I'm wishing you a shorter tenure. Um, It's that stay, stay with us, stay among us and keep doing all the inspiring things that you're doing. And Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and having this opportunity. Well, it's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Very nice to to be on this show. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, good. All right, everybody. So now it's time for Bronwyn's Big Takeaway. Many times when education and crime are mentioned, people like to refer to a certain pipeline full of negative connotations and defeatist attitudes. They focus on statistics, such as the one from a National Adult Literacy Survey, indicating that 70% of all incarcerated adults cannot read at a fourth grade level. And early warning, a special report from the Annie E. Casey Foundation that highlights the process of dropping out begins long before high school. Studies show that 74% of third graders who read poorly still struggle in ninth grade. However, at United Way Suncoast, the only pipeline we work to strengthen every day takes children from the cradle to college and other post-secondary opportunities. The support we lend to early learning, grade-level reading, youth success, and financial stability creates a steady flow of opportunities for our children. Law enforcement can help brighten that path by continuing to take innovative approaches to curbing crime, particularly juvenile crime. While a lot of kids who make mistakes deserve second chances, the best efforts lead them to the light of learning and create equitable access to opportunities to lead the lives they imagine. The Biden administration announced last month that it's creating a community intervention violence program to address the root causes. While the program will begin in only 15 American cities, it incorporates a collaborative approach that calls upon law enforcement to partner with philanthropy and nonprofit agencies. And you heard one here that's doing that now. 
It emphasizes community violence interventions and expanding summer programs and employment opportunities for teens and young adults. The president is encouraging cities not part of the initial effort to replicate the program using dollars from the American Rescue Plan. United Way Suncoast works to create such collaborations right here, and we're ready to do more. We invite anyone listening to join us, and I know Chief Bevan would join me in saying that we need to explore every possibility when it comes to ensuring that our children have a future full of hope instead of a present with limited access and therefore opportunity. With your help, our pipeline of promise can do just that. And I will quote Chief Bevan, who at the end of her interview said, I want to know what you all are doing to impact the lives of others. We want to know that, and it's up to us to change the story. United we rise, united we win. Onward. <laughs>